2: You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN.
3: Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on KLWN with Adam Drovetta. I am Derek Johnson. We've got Matt Tate of Lawrence Journal World joining the show at 340. We're going to have some more RCST trivia. We finish out our Phenomenal 4 today. Coming up at 4 o'clock, and Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports will join the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. We are going to do our Bobby Pettiford deep dive um, on today's show. Real quick, though, I this story is like six days old. I don't know how I'm just seeing this now. Did you see this sinkhole in China? Mm-mm. Okay, there's a a sinkhole like hundreds of feet deep. It's like a 600-foot deep sinkhole. and Underneath it or inside of it, I don't, I don't know. Uh, however, you would term that is just this like luscious forest. Cool. Do you think there's like dinosaurs down there? Um, yeah. But, I mean, that's. Do you the, think there's a society below us that we just don't know about?
1: Well, I've, I've believed in the mole people for some time. So, do you think they found the mole people? Could be. Um, I
3: would I, see, but when I hear mole people, I don't envision them living in like a luscious forest.
1: No, they, they just live underground and and plot the demise of the uh, humans of the overworld. Mm.
3: You think that was their like vacation spot? That could be. Oh, they won't go back.
1: Um, I don't know. That's pretty wild, though. Yeah. I bet there's going to be all sorts of you know creepy little scary creatures that mm. are discovered in that little lush giant area. spiders. That's what I'm saying. It could be like Jurassic
3: World down there. Yeah,
1: like uh, that that Land of the Lost show.
3: Yeah, that's right.
1: Will Ferrell in that. Well, oh, he right. was anyway. in a, he was in the film, but there was a television show that oh. was, that was that before the Will Ferrell film. But yes, yes, same concept. So Bobby
3: Pettiford is our deep dive. Really no natural way to transition between those.
1: Could we deep dive into Wilt? Because we were watching a bunch of videos of him before the show started. I thought about I'd this. I'd love to talk about Wilt.
3: Something over the course of the summer that um, I want to do here on RCST is deep dives into, like, former legendary players. Because, I mean, I could spend a week. Just Talking about Will Chamberlain and some of the amazing things that he we does.
1: would when Derek and I were in college, if we watched games together in the late West Coast game, whether it be basketball or football, um, you know, would get would end at Saturday night at like eleven thirty or midnight, there would be nights where we would watch hours of Wilt footage or Kevin Harlan footage. Um and it was both just, wonderful. It was incredible. Like Wilt was was remarkable.
3: Yeah. I mean
1: Still, in
3: my opinion, the greatest athlete of all time. Um, and I know there's progressions in athleticism, but like just in terms of, you're talking about one of the greatest basketball players of all time. You were talking about he was a fantastic track and field athlete. He mm-hmm. was a fantastic volleyball player. Like everything he did, he was one of the greatest at. Just physically, like that's what's crazy. Even without the modern medicine and, and modern sports performance and technology and weightlifting and, and programs and stuff that you have today. Like again, I, I guess there's really no way of confirming this stuff, but you're talking about a seven foot one guy, so he's still as tall as anyone. Yeah. You're talking about about three hundred pounds, two eighty something like that, so he's still as as big as anyone. You're talking about you know you have timed numbers of him running a, a forty eight second four hundred yard or four hundred meter, which for a guy that size is r- ridiculous. Um, you're talking about stories of him bench pressing six hundred pounds and squatting insane numbers to where like it's it's really not that different, like standing reach of like 13 feet, or not standing reach, a max reach of, of yeah. 13 feet. Like,
1: I think in, unbelievable. In, in terms of athleticism, the only one that, that approaches him is Bo Jackson. Um, cause he was, uh, I mean, but, but again, I mean, that at that point, you're just talking about just the un- unbelievable, just the, the freaks among freaks, among freaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, um,
3: We'll get we'll get more into Bolt Chamberlain, uh, like I but said. For now, Bobby summer. Pettiford. Yeah, Bobby Pettiford um, could be as good as Wilt. Will he? That'd be know. cool. That's a high bar. Who knows? He could score more career points. Will was only here two years. Uh, he came in as the number 96 prospect on the 24-7 composite, was committed to Louisville, and then ended up decommitting, came to KU. He kind of had a, a tale of two seasons. So overall for the season, played 14 games, 8 minutes per game, Average one and a half points per game, about a rebound and assist, 53% shooting, limited play time. Uh, but again, going back to that that tale of two seasons, um, he had the injury against St. John's. And if you include the St. John's game, so basically pre-injury, he played seven games. That was all seven of KU's games. So he played in all seven of them. And again, it's the non cons so you expect Bill Self to extend the rotation and stuff. But he wasn't just like appearing in games. He, he was playing double-digit minutes in a lot of them. He played 79 total minutes over those seven games. Had 15 total points, 11 rebounds, 11 assists, 6 of 11 shooting. Had some really nice flashes against uh, Michigan State, Tarleton State, Stony Brook, but especially that first game against Michigan State. Then in in the, the second part of it, he, he gets injured, and then he comes back against Iowa State. From the Iowa State game on, KU played 26 games. So he played seven of the first seven. Of the final 26, he also played seven. So a much lower oh, percentage wow. of games. He was down to 33 minutes as opposed to 79 in those seven games. Four total points, one total rebound, one total assist on two of four shooting. Didn't have as big of an impact and kind of struggled. So I think it was, you know, it, it was pretty clear to me, given the injury. And, and it, again, that he was kind of shut down uh, after things weren't going as well after coming back. Pretty clear to me that he wasn't right, even though he kind of tried to play through it at the end there. And there were. Even a few times that I know Bill Self mentioned, including that Iowa State game, that it wasn't fair to him that he he hadn't practiced or, or hadn't had time to develop and work on this or that, and then he just gets lobbed in there right away against these Big Twelve teams that that pressure the ball and have really good defenses. But I, it is interesting to me because of the fact that you know there was a point in time over the course of this season where Joe Yesifu, for about a month stretch was your backup point guard, and he was consistently getting anywhere between 12 to 20 minutes a game. He was a part of the rotation when Remy Martin was out. And early in the season, it was pretty clear Bobby Pettiford was ahead of Joe Yesifu in that rotation. It just makes me think, if if he never had the injury that clearly hurt his performance, even when he came back in addition to miss time to slow the development... He would have probably been playing those Bobby or those Joe Yesifu minutes over that month before Remy did come back.
1: I think that's fair to assume. I, I look back at, um, and this is, you know, you could still be very good without being as good as Frank Mason, but I'm thinking about back to Frank Mason. In his freshman year, particularly come conference play, he actually started playing quite a bit. He had Nadir Tharp there, but, um, you know, Pettiford was in a different situation. He did get injured. But I still really think that he he's got I he just seems so quick off the dribble. I really like him. Um particularly he kind for... of has
3: that like back to Frank. Like Frank was, was very fast and quick, but he wasn't like he wasn't Devon Dotson like faster no, quick. No, no, no. But the one thing that Frank was so good at if you got on his hip, he you would not get back in front of him. He would keep you there, he'd get you behind. And, and that's the case I, I think with Bobby Pettiford. He kind of has that good I don't I don't know what trait that would be, like balance or just Ability to stop and start and change speeds. Really yeah, yeah,
1: well. yeah, 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 ab- yeah. Absolutely, he's got uh, that 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 twitchiness, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think that's you know, and and for a, a Bill Self um, offense that he kind of really likes to, he likes for guys to attack, um, get layups, and if you don't get a layup to force the other team to get into foul trouble, you know, I, I the other thing, you know, Frank Mason really only had Nadir Tharp in front of him. Um, he didn't have, now Remy Martin, it was kind of really the, the big, big minutes for Remy Martin came, come in Kansas city in the big 12 tournament. And then of course we all know what happened in the NCAA tournament and, and the contributions Remy Martin had to that. But so Frank really never had a second guy in front of him, uh, and he never got injured. So I don't know if his, um, um, freshman minutes are a fair comparison because there was really just Nadir in front of him and sometimes not even in front of him sometimes they played alongside each other uh because self kind of likes the you know couple of lead guards out there simultaneously so i i, I think Pettiford, um again i i, I think you know Assuming some guy is going to become as good as a national player of the years is very unfair. I wouldn't have guessed Frank Mason would have become. I mean, you never assume someone's going to become a national no, player No, even, of the even year. Andrew Wiggins yeah. you don't.
3: I mean, if, if you knew hypothetically he would stay four years, yeah. you would probably expect it at that point if you're the number one recruit. and say But nobody does that anymore. Yeah, so, like,
1: you, yeah. so you almost it's, it's almost just the smart bet of taking mm-hmm. the field versus one guy. Um, but I still, I really like Pettifer. I haven't seen him shoot much, uh, so I don't know what he's got there. But I, I just, his stop and start and his twitchiness and his quickness is really, really good. Like, I, I would, I don't know where he is from a passing standpoint. Duan's an outstanding passer. Um, he doesn't make, Duan doesn't make, like, these flashy, amazing passes, but he he's just so in control of the passes he makes. But I think Pettiford, in, in the very brief moments we've seen, which I want to be clear, very brief, mm-hmm. um, that initial quickness that you can't really teach, uh, Pettiford seems to have the edge over Harris in that.
3: Yes. I, I think that there's it's not just like us watching the game and seeing moments where it's like, oh, that that spurt looked really good, again, in a very limited sample size you you straight up hear it from Bill self i mean he said this at the the banquet after the season i think there were another comment or two over the course of the season about how he is the next great one for ku and maybe i don't know like he has the uh he has the uh, blessing of the number 0 because if you, if you wear number 0 at kansas you're just bound to be this like unbelievable player apparently um you know, Marcus Garrett was National Defensive Player of the Year. Frank Mason National Player of the Year.
1: Thomas Robinson would have been if not for Anthony Davis.
3: Yeah, Drew Gooden. If we count Darnell Jackson or, or not Darnell Jackson, I'm sorry, Darrell Arthur. I I don't really because it is a different number, but it still has the number zero. It's double zero. Um, just just pretty incredible there. I I I I'm very interested to see what his career develops into, and I I'm very high on the potential of Bobby Pedford Now now what that means for this year. I, I think it's a little more foggy trying to figure out the role for this year, but as far as long term, like i I very much view this guy as being someone who if he hangs around here, his junior senior seasons. Those could be like Big 12 Player of the Year type of seasons that we did see from those guys like Frank Mason and Devontae Graham and so forth. To your point, though—
1: That changes if Tyrese Hunter shows up.
3: Oh, correct. 100%. And, and that's part of the reason why it's kind of foggy trying to figure out his, his playing time. But I, I think part of trying to figure that out and, and how high that potential is going to be is you know, a couple things. One, I remember early in the season, there was— Maybe some, some lulls of, of defense for Bobby Pettiford, and I remember hearing about stories in practice about how, you know, if you if you let your your uh, player you were guarding get in the paint, and then you had to run, and, and that was a bit of a, a, a struggle for Bobby Pettiford to maybe do sometimes. Um, so... I, I think the potential is there for the defense. And I think that's more of just like a, a freshman thing. I do expect him to be kind of a, a pesky, good defender under in the Bill Self system. So I, I'm not really worried about that. But that would just be something you're, you're looking to improve on from last year. And then the shooting of what you said. He only took three three-point shots last year. Again, limited limited time on the floor. So, uh, But it didn't really look like super comfortable. He uh, was 0 for 3 on three-point jumpers. He was 1 for 4 on two-point shots outside of shots at the rim. Now, he was seven of eight on shots at the rim, so mm-hmm. clearly really good finishing what we were talking about. We also don't have a huge sample size of him shooting free throws because a lot of times they'll say, well, if you're a good free throw shooter, that, that correlates to to eventually maybe having touch to helping your other jump shooting game. He was 75%. That's a good number, but it's only three of four. You know, that's one more trip to the line. go 0 oh, for 2, you're 3 for 6. Or, I, I don't know, You go. Yeah, it's just impossible to tell. I will say this, though. I was looking back at his high school stats, which – Take that with a huge grain yeah. of salt. It's a shorter three-point line, I'm assuming, and because um, I don't know the the North Carolina high school rules, if it's the same line as, but nonetheless, um, he went 39 percent on threes, 41 of 105. So that's like a decent sample size. That is a good sign that he he was able to do that. We just didn't really see it last year. I don't know if it just was because he wasn't comfortable with it, or if he was just trying to fit into the team as a young player, and so you're not gonna like force up shots. And maybe it is something that he can do that we haven't really seen in the arsenal. I don't think you go into the season, though, being like, oh, this guy's a knockdown shooter. It it kind of is like Frank Mason in that way. If you remember, Frank came in and he was kind of an inconsistent three-point shooter. I think he shot like 30%, 33%, something like that um, in his freshman season at Kansas. And, you know, his... His freshman season almost feels like what Bobby Pettiford's sophomore season is going to be to me. Uh, what You mentioned with Frank and Nadir Tharp and stuff. Yeah. Frank played 16 minutes a game as a freshman. Yeah, he shot 33% from three, and then he took off from there. Went 43% on low attempts, 38% on low attempts, and then 47% on higher attempts by the time he was a senior. I think that's that's a career arc that you kind of hope for for Pettiford. And yeah, if we are lining it up, 16 minutes per game for Frank as a, a freshman, and then Frank became a starter after that. If I told you Bobby Pettiford played 16 minutes per game this year as a sophomore and then was a starter after that, I think you could buy into that.
1: Yeah, if, if his numbers jump up that high, I, I almost... Um, it's kind of funny with the Tyrese Hunter situation. I, I would like him to come to KU, but I, I just have so much curiosity about what Bobby Pettiford could be that I don't know. It's so strange you, to say you, you don't want a top-level uh, transfer coming to your program. I want Hunter to come here... But I'm so intrigued about mm-hmm. what Pettiford, Bobby Pettiford could become, and I, I think he could become like pretty pretty good. Well, like, and who knows? Maybe good.
3: maybe if Tyrese Hunter did come here, like like I said, Bobby Pettiford was ahead of Joe Yassu early in the season. Was did Joe Yassu just figure it out and eventually beat him out? Was it the injury? Was it a little of both? I don't know where that stands, but. Tyrese Hunter comes in like there's a chance that Tyrese Hunter just starts next to Dwan Harris and Bobby Pettiford is just the first guard off the bench and still and, gives you yeah, 15 minutes. That's a good point. Which that could be his possible. role even without Tyrese Hunter if they only play one lead guard. That's at a good, time. Yeah,
1: that's true. Yeah, there's still a place for him to get 15 or 17 minutes a game if if, if even with Tyrese Hunter on this um, on the squad. That's a good point. And, and so and if he does, um, I think we go into next offseason depending on his performance, of course. But, you know, if if we're looking at a guy who puts up 15 minutes a game, then you start going, this kid is looking more and more like, a, a you know, the next true stud point guard under Bill Self.
3: And almost in a certain way with how hard it is to repeat as champion, and we still, we still don't know what's going to happen with the NCAA, there is a part of me that looks at a big part of this next season as, and I don't mean to say this as if you're not trying to win or that's not still the goal. Of course it is but that the bigger goal there is developing that next core for that next title run and that, you know, Bobby Pettiford taking that step would be a big uh, kind of boon in that way. And and I think, you know, I I guess I I wouldn't make this player comp to what he is because obviously very different positions, but Jalen Wilson, like that, I don't know, maybe that's the, the higher end of outcomes for Bobby Pettiford in terms of the story. Jalen Wilson came in as a freshman Top 100 recruit. Jalen, I think, was top 50, something like that. Um, And he got hurt. He, I think, broke his foot, broke his ankle, something like that. His freshman season, it was within, like, 30 seconds of of entering onto the court. And I don't know how much he really was going to play for that team to begin with, but you would have liked to think in, in what he did as a redshirt freshman, he would have had at least some small role. I don't know. He comes back off the injury after missing all sorts of time and having the injury as a freshman and he was one of the best players on the team his his redshirt freshman season in that yeah. 2020 2021 season.
1: He I mean he was he almost single-handedly won them that game against Kentucky in the Champions Classic to start the year. And so I
3: I don't know that that's sh- like it, it it's hard for me to see the path to that happening where he's playing 30 minutes a game when you already do have Dewan Harris and you have a lot of other guys on the wing that are going to be getting minutes. But in terms of having that turnaround from kind of a a battled freshman season where you had to deal with some injuries to all of a sudden having a big impact on the team, I think that is very likely for Bobby Pettiford.
1: Um, On the topic of of what they might do this next year and and how players might develop, um, Bill Self had an interesting quote in I think maybe 20, it was either 19 or 21. It was the year in which, I think it was 19, it was one of those two years in which they got bounced by, uh, you know, um, by quite a bit in in the second round, and it was during the the quote was during the regular season, and it was looking like this team you know wasn't going to be a top one or two seed in the tournament, um, you know not going to win the Big Twelve, et cetera, et cetera. And Self had this quote where he said, "I think it really needs it, it, it's it should be up to the co- not his his quote was, um, you know I I think the the person who really decides what a team is capable of or if they've lived up to ex- expectations is the coach. And he didn't say it in like a whiny lay off my team big big me and media sort of way. I think he was just but uh, but the way he worded it made me think he he's very honest about what his team is and he's very um he's not afraid to be honest with himself that this is a year of developing not you know of maximize of course maximize what you can do um but he's very honest i think in in what a in what a given year can be and and is this a year of development uh, of a group of players that will eventually become because that, that if you know the following year they were going to be the number one overall seed in the tournament uh before covid and so you know, I think that's a, that's always a fair question, you know, and and, and something that self has, is that he, he can very fairly look at his team and say, you know, he's put he'll push them and push them and push them, but he knows, okay, is this a development year or is this a go for it year? Yeah, uh, as
3: far as uh, realistic floor, realistic ceiling, I guess the realistic floor is Joe Yesifu still in front of him in the rotation. If you don't have Tyrese Hunter, I still think that means you know a good amount of playing time because he'd still be one of the top three lead guards. So between two-guard lineups, having the the other guy, you're still going to get playing time and continue to develop on, on some of those things like the jump shot. Um, but honestly, realistic floor for me is that he's still getting... I don't know, ten to fifteen minutes a game. Like I, I just view him as part of the rotation next year. I just do. Um, as far as the ceiling, I think the ceiling is that he could be a legit starter for you. I, uh, you're playing two guards next to each other. You have Dewan and Bobby Pettifer. Then you're playing two wings next to that at the three and four. And then you're playing your your center at the starting five. And him having like a really good season to where you know you get I don't know 10, 11 points per game, three four assists. And then we do head into the following season going. This dude could win Big Toll Player of the Year the next year. Like that—that's the ceiling to me.
1: I'd probably, which put, is really good. I'd probably put the floor a little lower than I—I I, I think it's more possible. And I know you brought this up. I think it's probably more possible than you do that—that that he's just buried. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I
3: guess the biggest floor is Tyrese Hunter comes in and he's still behind yeah. Joe yeah. Yesfu, and so you're the fourth. Guard. I, I think the
1: yeah. I, I think the possibility that he's buried is there. Um, I also think a realistic ceiling is. He's the second guy in terms of lead guards. He's the guy right next to Dewan Harris. hmm. And playing those Remy Martin mates, yeah. which was. I don't think he ever takes. He's not. I don't see him taking Dewan's job. No. But I see him becoming what Remy was.
3: Yeah. 20, 25 minutes a game. If you're on that game, maybe playing 30 minutes a game. Like. I think there's going to be some really good flash games as well for for Bobby Pettiford. So I'm really excited to see what he can do this season. I'm really excited for the uh, future that's in store for him. Matt Tate's going to join the show in about 15 minutes. You're listening to RCST with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll be back after this time out. We are brought to you by Home Field Apparel. Home Field, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, has incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs because they dig through the archives of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments. The Kansas collection has 14 pieces of apparel, including T-shirts, hoodies, Crew and they are some of the most comfortable things that you will wear. Plus, they re- look really cool, and they just released. Well, not just, but after the national championship, they released a national championship shirt. Use the code Rock Chalk Sports Talk. That's Rock Chalk Sports Talk, all one word, and you'll get fifteen percent, fifteen percent off your first order. That's right. Code Rock Chalk Sports Talk, all one word, for fifteen percent off with Home Field Apparel on your first order little peel the curtains back here on rock truck sports talk here in the klwn studio you know we've made note before things just tend not to work sometimes here our phone lines have been down for like three days It's awesome. and uh That's awesome yeah i i don't know what what's going on there or i don't know we have these like sponsorships with like i i, I don't want to get into that nonetheless um if somebody has a working phone company, help us out uh, because we need the phones to talk to our guests. So we've been bringing our guests on via zoom and Matt Tate, I believe is on the zoom. Um, so I guess, Matt, are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, we, we got gotcha. you. Woo. We did it. Hey, we did it.
4: Phone lines be damned. Who <laughs> yeah, needs
3: ya? Right. Um, so anyway, Matt Tate, orange journal world, KU sports.com joins us here on RCST. Um, you know, headed into the, the NBA Draft Combine and, and I guess G League Combine too. I think most people would say they're just assuming Jalen Wilson would be back in a KU uniform next season. Uh, we know he's a super confident guy and that's obviously the big part of, of what helped him to turn things around and, and help KU win a title. So I think the flip side to that is that maybe having a ton of success in this event, which he absolutely did get off to yesterday, it does make me wonder if it'll have a bigger effect on his decision than maybe it would for some other guys, I guess, what are your thoughts on Jalen Wilson's start to the combine and and where things are at with him possibly returning to Lawrence or or staying in the draft?
4: I think it's the biggest win-win of all time. Maybe. I mean, you know, he he could go and stay in the draft, even if he doesn't think he's going to get drafted or, or certainly not a first round pick. And he could end up playing for money in the G league next year and have a two way or something like that. If it worked out and, you know, he's making money and probably pretty good money. So that's, that's not a terrible option, obviously. Um, Especially when you look at it under the context of like, what, what do you go to college for? You go to college to prepare yourself to be a professional, to make some money. And that's what you'd be doing on top of that. What else do you go to college for? You go to college to win a national championship. He did that. So, I, I, you know, I get it. I, I get why it could be a, a potential enticement for him to say, yeah, you know what? I, I, if they like me even a little, I'm good. I'm out, you know. But on the flip side of that, the win-win part of it, the second part of the win, I guess, is that if he comes back to Kansas, he will have an opportunity to um, make some NIL money, which would also be good, um, I would imagine, potentially quite a bit. Um, He he also will be on a top 10 type of team, you know, uh, comfortable knowing his role, knowing what's expected, knowing that, you know, he'd be sort of one of the unquestioned leaders of the team. And, and, you know, you get to have fun for another year. Right. So I do think it's win-win. I I understand why most people think he's he's coming back. But I tell you what, like after watching him yesterday, I, I think that. It, it, it looked totally different to me. I mean, he, he looks leaner. He looks uh, lighter. He played lighter. Uh, he shot the ball obviously very well. That was it for me and, and for a lot of people. You know, he's not good enough as a shooter to be able to make the jump. But if he has spent the time in the last two months, like I've heard he has, working on improving that jump shot, then that changes everything. And, and I think you saw it yesterday it wasn't just because it went in um, you know that's that's sort of that bill self line right it, it, it's 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 not a good shot whether it goes in or not it's a good shot when it leaves your hand or a bad shot you know and and so it wasn't just that they went in for him yesterday that really stood out to me i i, I was i was impressed by the way it looked um he he looks like a a smoother shooter he looks like he stays on balance better um he he doesn't have any kind of lean or fade I, I think so many of his misses were were he'd fade out of them or or bail out of them right at the release and and you're not gonna make many if you if you shoot that way trust me i uh <laughs> I made a life out of that, so um it looks like that's something he's really worked on and and it's it's obviously paying off so it's a hard it's a hard thing to to wonder i mean I think the 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 big question obviously is the feedback he gets and if someone tells him you know yeah you're probably not a first round pick but man if you're there with our pick in the second round at 44 we're gonna scoop you up in a second we love your game we like your potential blah 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 if he hears those things I think it's gonna be really hard for him to come back and um You know, at that point, who could blame him? I mean, obviously the goal is first round money and and guaranteed money and all that stuff. But it's also, you know, a chance to to, to go live out your dream and do what you do and and, uh, you know, jump into that G League, becoming a pro, making some money. That's that's one step closer. So um, it's a really tough, a tough situation and a tough thing to to sort of predict. and, And I think yesterday made it tougher.
3: Yeah, I'll, I'll be clear. If, if he does get a promise to get drafted, I, I think that would be smart for him to go coming off a title. I just, we'll, we'll see. Well, I mean, uh, we've all seen the draft boards and, and not many have them up there, but certainly right, after that right. performance, and if he keeps doing that, I'm sure we, we might start to see him, him rising up, at least on some of those like top 100 big boards and stuff. Uh, but it, it's interesting.
4: Yeah, let, let me interrupt you too. Let yeah. me interrupt you too, because that's the one thing you have to remember about yesterday. While there are a bunch of good players there, he did that against a bunch of other guys that weren't good enough to get invited to the combine. And so does that mean they suck? Does that mean they're a bunch of bums? No, not at all. You know, not, there's obviously some really talented players, like Joe, Brady, manic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But you do have to take it with some, with some context and you do have to realize that he was in that second tier. That is what that is. And generally speaking, that, that group of, of 40 or 44 or whatever it is, that group doesn't produce a bunch of guys who get drafted. Hardly ever, in fact. So it's important to remember, even though he's doing well there, it, 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 you have to keep the the perspective in play. And and, and that's why the, the question of, does he get asked to stick around the rest of the week? If he gets that, then I think you have to start considering that he could get drafted. If they say, yeah, we want you to come to the combine now, too, that would probably be the one thing that would change everything. Um, but if he doesn't get that, I think after some, some time and thought goes into the whole situation, I, I still think the lean would probably be that he's back.
3: Right. And, and you hit on really two big things about for his NBA status. It's, it's really two things. It's one. Can he either like kind of play the three, which how slim down he did look, he he did look more like a three and also his three point shooting, which looked really good yesterday. And, and we had never really seen him shoot from, from that deep. I don't know, maybe a couple times in, in the red shirt freshman season. Um, uh, but he was he was hitting from out there who knows if it was just one hot game or, or what it'll be um but what does that change for you let's say he does come back uh, d- does that make you think uh, you see this slim down guy hitting threes and and possibly adding to what we already know about his game uh, is he the the favorite for big 12 player of the year if he comes back Ooh, i hadn't thought of that that's um
4: Ooh, man favorite's probably tough to say um
3: I mean, I, I don't know but, who else it would be though, because you have like like Nigel Pack, who's first team, like he's gone, and also, right. I, They, I don't think they would have given it to a, a team that that finished in, in the bottom couple spots there, and you know Tyrese Hunter is, is gone. Um, I don't know. There's no like obvious candidate. Obviously, if like Christian Brown came back, he would be the guy. David McCormick's not back. I, I think there's a real chance it could be.
4: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. You also have to remember that freaking Remy Martin was the Big 12 <laughs> yeah. player of the year preseason last year. So it could always be it could always be a, a portal guy. Right. And and um, it could be a portal guy at Kansas. So, yeah. So y- you don't know, I guess none of us know, but but he'd, he'd certainly be in the mix. I mean, he'd 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 be um, what, what did he did he get second team this year? Uh in the in the, uh in the in the in march was he second team all big 12 i can't remember
3: i so it's okay so? first Must team been, christian no i think he, third was 13. Team or he was 13 men's? it was uh dave and, and him were third team, i believe
4: there you go okay so so yeah so i mean he would certainly have at the very least even if he's not the automatic obvious preseason player of the year he's certainly you would think would be a pretty automatic preseason all big 12 type of guy so um yeah i mean it, you know those things have to matter too i mean I think that, that again, in this new world with NIL being such an important part of everything that, you know, that could be big. I mean, if, if he ends up being the preseason big 12 player of the year, or just all big 12 preseason there, there are NIL opportunities that could come from that. You know, just because Ochai wasn't flush with them last year, doesn't mean they weren't there. Um, no, you know, I mean, Ochai Brian Haney told us on the decision.
3: show that, uh, that Ochai he, he said like coming into the season, he was like, you know, I, I know that right. NIL opportunities will be there but I just want to focus on the season. I, I don't even want exactly. to worry about it.
4: Exactly. That's what I was going to say. I mean, I know of I know of three or four, you know, double digit 10, 15,000 type dollar deals mm. that that were thrown his way. He could have just taken climb. it like
3: donated it to I don't know, someone like you or me.
4: I would have taken it. Yeah. yeah I mean, I'd have done, I, I would have sent out a bunch of tweets for it. That's what we do all day, right? So, yeah, no, I, but, but that's it, right? I mean, Ochi made a decision to, hey, yeah, that, that stuff doesn't matter to me. I'm going to lock in. I'm going to focus on my game. And, and Jalen could do the same, right? I mean, that's, that there'd be nothing wrong with that. But he also could say, well, I can still lock in and fire off a tweet or two, you know, or make an appearance here or there, like, and, and make, you know, 70, 80,000 or whatever it is. So, um, I, I I think all that matters, and I think part of the NIL situation is is how bright your star shines, right? Like, if you're just a dude, that's one thing. You might get, you know, uh, some merchandise or five hundred bucks to send off a tweet or some free food or whatever. But if you're that dude, if you're a, a Big Twelve Player of the Year type of guy, all of a sudden the opportunities probably increase and, and, and are bigger and, and more meaningful. And so I I think all that factors in, I think all that does matter. And, and um, that's probably what makes these decisions harder than ever for these guys, because it it used to be simple, right? Am I ready? Am I not? What are they telling me? Am I going to get drafted? Am I not? If I'm not, well, there's no reason to go come back, work on my game, get better. See what happens next year. Now it's 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 you know there's so many different factors with the the money involved on both sides. I mean the G League contracts are worth more now. There's NIL in college, um, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, it's it's these decisions are probably harder than ever, and in a lot of ways they're they're difficult. But I think they're probably for a lot of guys win-win. As I've kind of outlined here with Jalen, I, th- I think a lot of guys at a lot of places are probably looking at this thing going. This is great, man. I either come back and get some NIL money and get to ride in college a little longer and have some fun and do what I do, and I'm kind of a big dog and all that stuff, or I get to go pro and they're going to draft me and I'm ready. You know, I mean, it's those are awesome options.
3: We're talking with Matt Tate of Lawrence Journal World and KU Sports dot com. We were doing our deep dive earlier today on Bobby Pettiford and. You know, he he had his season sidetracked by injury. We kind of perplexed over the question of if he wouldn't have had the injury, would he have gotten all those Joe Yesifu minutes that we saw from Joe in in kind of that February portion when when Remy Martin was out and what that would make us think uh, about him heading into this year. But what are kind of your expectations for what Bobby Pettiford could be this year and long-term?
4: I think he's a killer. I really do. I think he could be unbelievable. Uh, I think he could be that right away. I, I think his... His game is, is incredible. I think his temperament is good. I think he's, he's tough and competitive, and his mind is right. I, I mean, I, I think he's phenomenal. I, I I think it's interesting, the stuff you were talking about with, with Yusefu and those minutes, because, look, I think it's really possible that he could have got a bunch of those Remy minutes that, that you were talking about. They probably were going to Yusefu, but – Yousef never grabbed them. Right. And never, never demanded that, Hey, I've got to play more. Uh, well, a time or two, it kind of looked like it was headed that way, but it never really stuck. And if Pettiford had been healthy and had been given that option, it's possible it would have stuck. And that could have changed the, the entire outlook for Remy, um, which is wild to think about now. Right. Because we all know what, what, what Remy's importance was on on their run to the title. So um, you know hindsight's 2020 20, none of it matters now but but I, I do think that I think Bobby Pettiford's every bit as good as advertised I mean I don't think self saying all that stuff he says about him just to sound good or just to make him happy I think he believes it and uh, I think people are gonna love Bobby's game uh, we saw flashes of it we saw a little bit here and there um, I'm, I'm trying to trying to compare him trying to think of a favorable way for people to understand exactly how he plays I mean, he's 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 a little bit like Dotson in the way he attacks the rim. He's not as fast; nobody is, um, especially end to end. But but he's fearless going to the rim like that, which is which is a Frank uh, trait, which is a Dotson trait, uh, a Sharon trait. I mean, fearless like that for sure. Um, but he's also, to me, he's also um, he he stays under control so well, um, and and he's he's the kind of guy that I think is really comfortable. Just letting things develop, letting things play out. He'll attack if there's a seam in a driving lane and, and, you know, that's what he's built to do. But I, I don't know that he's the kind of type of player that, that really gets into forcing things or, or, you know, trying too hard, so to speak. I think he's, he's very comfortable knowing I got four other guys around me that are pretty good. And, you know, I'm going to also be the general and, and run this thing too. So um, I think, I think there's a lot to like about him. I think, uh You know, hopefully for his sake and and for the team, you know, hopefully he is fully healthy, uh, whether that's throughout this summer or, or, you know, at least when they start in back when school starts or up when school starts. How do you say that? Neither Mm -hmm. one of those works. So when school starts, I guess I'll just drop the word, Um, you know, but but once they get going for real um, with their boot camp stuff and things like that, I mean, hopefully he's 100 percent then and and uh, they can utilize him as he's built because he's uh he's yeah regardless if he starts or if he's just a rotation guy or whatever it is I think he's I think he's a huge part of next year's team and I think he's a big time piece and, and I think people will love him
3: all right Matt we got a couple more trivia questions for you you ready oh
4: yeah cool 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 yeah for
3: sure all right what is the longest home winning streak in KU basketball history If I'm not mistaken, it
4: wasn't that long ago. No, um, it was from February
3: 7th of 2007 to January 22nd of 2011.
4: Oh, okay. A little while then. So uh, let's put it at 56.
3: 69 is okay. the correct answer Yeah, though.
4: Not bad. Not bad. I don't get any points for that, but I, no, I right. did say 30. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Next one. All <laughs>
3: right. This one might be a little easier. I don't know. The way you answered that, I, I I'm not sure you remember. Who ended (laughs) that home winning streak? What team did KU lose to?
4: 2011. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you a hint. It was a Big 12 team. It was was a a Big 12 team. You even gave me a hint. And there was a notable
3: Um, story going around before the game and leading up into the game dealing with KU. 2011. This
4: is. This is insane. That should be really easy then. Uh, 2011. So it would have been a t- the 10-11 season. So not 9-11-12. Yes. Yeah, Some Morris Twins. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go with Texas. That's right. Was there that was just a guess or do you remember this? And that was Thomas Robinson's story. That yes. is right. Lisa Robinson. There we go. Yeah. Okay. So that I is... did not remember. I mean, I obviously got it right, but that was just piecing things together. I, I did not remember that that was um that that was a streak ender and and you know now now that i think about it and and we talk about it i do but but obviously you know that was i think the reason you don't remember it is because everything i wrote that day right was about his mom passing away and and so that the oh yeah the streak ended became a footnote because the other thing was much more serious and and obviously sad um and then on top of it i think it was sort of a uh I don't know what the word is exactly, but sort of a, you don't want to call it an excuse, but sort of like, you know, you, you dismissed it as that it even happened because it was like, well, yeah. Well,
1: it I mean, was it did, one thing. I, I it was
4: a, all the distractions and there was a reason it happened. And, well, you know, people were kind of like throwing that out there.
1: And you could kind of see it. Kansas broke out to like a 15 to three lead in that game. Right. And right. It just, you, you could see the team. You could just tell. I don't and like emotionally, but you can also tell that they'd probably been up till five in the morning. I mean, it was you just could see it drain from them after that super emotional start. Every the energy was just gone after
4: that. Totally right. Yeah, yeah. The the start was phenomenal, and you kind of thought, "Holy cow, man! These guys showed up, and they're gonna they're gonna make sure they they win for for Thomas and for for his mother and family and all that." And, and then it just once they hit the wall, they, they, yeah, they they couldn't get it back. And how could you, I mean, that was, that was very, very sad stuff. And, and, uh, gosh, the guy went through so much, man. Um, so yeah, yeah. Interesting. That was a good one. We got another one or those two.
3: Nope. That's it. That's all we got for you today. Uh, we got really short. We got about 30 seconds before we get to the top of the hour break here. One last thing real quick.
1: All right, real quick. Uh, I know your history includes Bonner Springs. Have you ever had a cup of Joe at 10 and two coffee? No, I
4: have not. We'll be, I have not. Be uh, sure to check see. it out. There was, a, there was a bar there called Kobe's, I believe. Uh, there was also a Chinese restaurant called Red Fortune. Um, those were right across from the office. And, yeah, that was, that was my start, man, back in the day. 2001, high school reporter for Bonner Springs. And uh, tons of great people over there. Good kids, good coaches, all kinds of fun stuff. I remember it well. But I don't remember that place.
3: Well, he is Matt Tate, Lawrence Journal World, Sports.com. Thanks for the time, as always, man.
4: All right. Thank you, guys.
3: All right. Check out his work, KUSports.com, LJ, in the LJ world. That's Matt Tate. I'm Derek Johnson with Adam Dravetta. This is RCST on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, depending on it. Our second Phenomenal Four matchup, we had Tyler Feist win over Justin Nichols yesterday, and that means Justin will play in the third-place game against the loser of this matchup. The winner will go to the championship game to take on Tyler and have some more opportunities to win some prizes. We are brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Kirk Geiser State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, CBD of Lawrence, Homefield Apparel, Pella Windows and Doors, RockChuck.io, Jayhawk Trophy, and Wine Bros, our title sponsor, 23rd Street Brewery, and the one seed, the winner of the Midwest region, our defending champion, Eric Hansey. You've been to the title game um, last year. You win the third place game the year before, so this is your third appearance in the phenomenal four, uh, what are the memories and the differences of, of you winning in that phenomenal four round a year ago versus the time you lost in, in year one?
5: Uh, a lot less second guessing from my, AU friends, as far as, uh, what question I missed. And, uh, so, you know, you certainly, you, you want to avoid that, even though they are all full of it and wouldn't, uh, answer half of these questions. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, you, 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 you do it. for So um, in this case, it's it's the friends who want to give me crap time question. There's a lot of pressure with that.
3: Well, you already have the TV from last year. Have you started thinking about if you win the TV again this year? Uh, I mean, what are you going to do with it? Is there going to ever be a point where you're just like, you know, I have too many TVs. Just donate it. Give it to someone else
5: uh yes uh my wife and i have had that discussion it has been a very one-sided discussion um i would like to have two tvs in the living room that will not be the case so um you know we have to figure out somewhere else to put it but uh, i consider that a very good problem to have i i have no issue with, with having that discussion or that debate and i if i'm fortunate enough to get to that position then uh it's all all good
3: Well, Ryan, 14 seed, you're the Cinderella in this tournament. And every time we talk to you, you say, you know, I'm I'm just lucky to be here. Um, But now you're in the phenomenal four. I mean, this has got to feel like you're playing with house money, right?
6: Oh, yeah. It's, um, you know, initially I didn't want to miss the first question, you know, a couple weeks ago. And then I was like, well, it'd be cool to win. And then, you know, it's kind of getting out of the weekends. So, you know, going from 16 to 8, yeah, I mean on that big deal, but I was pretty happy, uh, last week getting here. But again, you know, just, uh, what did Roy say? Enjoying the ride.
3: Yep. Um, and, and have you had any thoughts uh, about what you would do if you win the grand prize TV? Um,
6: my TV in the basement actually is, I've got a couple green lines in it. So yeah, I know exactly where I would put it. So that one's, uh, that one's dying. And that one I think is from, wait, oh, So maybe, you know, every time we
3: win a championship, we get a new TV or something. There we go. Yeah, that could work out. But uh, you got tough competition here with Eric first. And uh, just want to make mention of this. We've made mention to all the contestants that have done this. Again, we've got the nice little uh, jersey match up here. Eric has been doing that. He's got the the home white Devontae Graham jersey on. And Ryan doing it with the uh, Road KU football blue uniform with Todd Reeseen. Once again, we're going to be doing a football rcst trivia in july in kind of the works of of the details of that and the scoring but we are going to be doing it so uh, be on the lookout for that and we're excited to do that but with that said let's go ahead and get into this matchup between the fourth seed seed ryan brown the one seed eric hansey but first to our pa announcer to reintroduce the competitors
2: Let's meet our second Phenomenal 4 contestants. It's not easy to crash the party in year one of experience in RCST trivia, but that's exactly what Ryan Brown did this year. He will tell you he's lucky to be here, but luck won't take you as far as his unmarked 14-0 record on trivia answers. Starting his trivia career 4-0, the slipper still fits for this 14 seed out of the West region, Ryan Brown. While one side is a trivia newbie, our second contestant is an RCST trivia lifer and has lived a full life with a third-place finish in 2020 and our second-ever champion in 2021. He's back for more, and he's gone 17-0 on questions this year with the most trivia wins and correct answers of all time. The number one overall seed out of the Midwest region, Eric Hansen.
3: Okay, with that being said, uh, Ryan, you are the lower seed as the 14s. So you have the option. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second?
6: I've uh, been second this whole time. We'll keep it the same. Go second,
3: finish first. That's uh, been working for you. All right, Eric, both of you guys undefeated on trivia questions, so something's got to give here in our third edition of RCST Trivia. Eric, for you in the easy column, What's the furthest that Cole Aldridge ever made it in the NCAA tournament throughout his KU career?
5: He got that national championship ring.
3: Yep, did it as a freshman. And then uh, outside of that, I think it'd be Sweet 16 the next year. Went descending order, right? Um, yeah. Champ Sweet 16 second I round. I
1: believe you're right, yeah.
3: Deserve better. All right, Ryan, this for you. I mean, he did win a title, so deserve better, but you know what I mean. Uh, Ryan. Ryan. What's the furthest that Kirk Heinrich ever made it in his NCAA tournament career at Kansas?
6: Um, Lost in
3: the final. Yep, lost in the title game to Syracuse. He also deserved better, but did make a couple final fours and quite the career for Kirk. All right, we knocked those out of the park. Let's see if we can get further than we did yesterday. Back to you, Eric. From 1995 to 1997, Kansas lost in three straight NCAA tournaments to four seeds. Name one of those four seeds they lost to.
5: I think you keep giving me a question that harkens back to this, but uh, Arizona. Arizona.
3: I just love bringing up uh, bad memories. Apparently, no, that's just whoa. That oh, was okay. I I deemed I de- for, de- de- for, de-
1: for the correct answer. The mm-hmm. buzz was for Derek's nonsense of bringing up that game time and again.
3: It's just hey, I just pick the ran- questions randomly. I don't even think about like who's gonna get them. All right, Ryan, back to you. From 2017 to 2018, Kansas won two straight NCAA tournament games against four seeds. Name one of the four seeds that they beat.
6: Um, I don't know. Um,
1: Ten seconds.
3: Auburn.
2: Mm. They lost to
3: Auburn, the five seed, the four seeds that they beat Clemson in 27 or 2018, and they crushed Purdue in that 2017 game that was uh, notable for the Legerald Vick 360 dunk. dunk in the sprint center.
1: They, they were up uh, like eight or 10 LeGerald Vick got the 360 dunk. And then all of a sudden they were, I think that dunk was worth 30 points because it seemed <laughs> like it happened. And they're all of a sudden up 30.
3: Might as well have been uh, Ryan hearing the answer there. Uh, what are your thoughts? Do you feel disappointed? Yeah, I mean,
6: I, I was thinking Clemson with the colors. Um, and I was at the Purdue game. So I just had no idea what seed they, what seed they were and what seed they were, but I was at that Purdue game. Um, yeah, I, I oh. told you guys. <laughs> <That was good laughs> hey, I but you got, you. you got your first
3: question right. So you did accomplish that. You made the phenomenal four. That's You've right. racked up all sorts of prizes. So clearly a success in uh, trivia. Eric, this is this has been your quickest matchup. I mean, you have been pushed, even in the first round, you were kind of pushed a little bit to the limit, um, and, and now you, you pull a... I don't know the, the Villanova, Oklahoma, 2016 KU Villanova this past year, uh, thoughts as you head to, uh, your second straight title game.
5: Yeah, I think you mentioned it. It's it's got some very much, uh, 2022 Villanova vibes with maybe a, you know, an injured starter making, making it a little, little easier on the Hawks. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, that was just a tough question for him and, um, you know, it like injuries it happens. Right. So, um, you take the win and you kind of feel fortunate and
3: move on. Well, uh, something we've, we've discussed on the show and now you're playing Tyler in, in the championship game. We'll have more time to talk about that when, when you guys take each other on. Um, and so it, it, it kind of, to this point is following the pattern of what you did last year. So you won the third place game in year one last year. You come back, you go to the title, you play the defending champ in Isaac and you beat him for the title. Tyler, was the third-place winner last year. He is now playing you, the defending champ in the title. Does that scare you at all that we could be uh, on path to repeat history?
5: Yeah, as somebody uh, who believes that sports has a weird way of being symmetric uh, and those those things just organically happening, for sure, that is uh, something that I think the Vegas odds makers would be taking into account and maybe giving Tyler a little bit uh, higher of a chance of winning just because of that.
3: Well, Ryan, um, thoughts on your overall run through RCST trivia here, and and don't forget you still got a third place game upcoming against uh, Justin.
6: Um, I had a lot of fun. Um, thanks for putting this on. It was way more fun than I thought it was going to be. So I really look forward to it and uh, enjoyed every every question.
3: Awesome. Well, guys, we appreciate you being a part of it, and we'll see both of you guys back here. Um, obviously, for Ryan, you'll be taking on Justin in the third-place game, and Eric, you will be taking on Tyler in the championship game. Good job.
1: Good luck. What the hell, man? What the hell? We we said yesterday we think one of these is going to get into, into the uh, thought, really yeah, hard round. I and thought this was. yet to happen. That's disappointing. I'll be honest with you, that... That surprises me. That, that I mean, Ryan had I, been I, so good. I mean, he took out Doug. Yeah, I I don't want to. I mean, look, Ryan is obviously fantastic. So I don't want this to seem a, a criticism of him, but I'm surprised that that's the answer that got him. He said he was at the Purdue yeah, game. I know too.
3: that's. Um, do you think? Do you think that Ryan is this year's? I know Arkansas didn't make the Final Four; they only made the Elite Eight. But is is Ryan this year's Arkansas in that they took out Gonzaga? Who is like, you know, if if KU played Gonzaga in the title, they might have won. Yeah, but you know, it would have been KU could have beat a lot of any yeah. team in the country. Um, but it, it probably would have been. Yeah, they uh, would certainly right? would have been favored. No. Um, and if you get down 15 to Gonzaga, might go a little differently than North Carolina. Yeah. Um. So it, it's almost like that. You know, sometimes you just it's just your day. Yeah, and you sometimes. take out the competition and. Yeah help maybe clear the road a little for
1: Eric and, and who knows Eric might have beat Doug anyway yeah know. that would yeah we, we don't know but yeah that's um i don't know sometimes it's just and, and we'll see and and to to continue that right now uh, Arkansas has as a heck of a recruiting class coming so <laughs> Maybe that He's means back next uh, Ryan I mean, Ryan Better than ever. is certainly going to be higher than a 14 seed next year. Oh, yeah, 100%. Year. So he'll be a force to be reckoned with. We'll see. That'll be the big storyline going into next year's trivia. One of the big storylines is you look at that uh, grade 8 matchup. How do Doug and Ryan handle expectations coming into next year's mm-hmm. trivia? Because
3: yeah. they're going to have them. Yes, they are. Uh, I will say this, though. We get the bat- uh, matchup of uh, Eric and Tyler. And these guys have never faced off. I mean, Tyler was only in it one year. Um they were on opposite ends of the bracket last year. Eric obviously ended up winning the title. Isaac, who lost to Eric in the final, beat Tyler in a, a crazy phenomenal four matchup. I, I I think we got a great matchup here though. I think yeah,
1: it could be a really fun
3: championship. I mean, two ones. I think seeds. the third place game will be good because I think especially for Justin and Ryan, after both losing in the medium round on their first medium question, their with second t- question questions
1: overall questions that I think they they they'll both, bounce back as soon as they got it wrong. It was one of those oh no, and I I, I can't help but wonder. I I
3: know that they've been through this. This is their that fifth matchup of the tournament so it's like oh well you're used to how this goes in the environment once you get to the phenomenal four it is like an extra level of pressure because i think once you get to the phenomenal four you really do start to see in front of your face like holy cow the tv is right there oh yeah the big extra nerve-wracking and maybe I, you forget questions easier
1: yeah you're not playing loosely anymore um because yeah you you're you go from boy it'd be fun to win you know just you know or or in ryan's case just don't get my first question wrong I, to all of a sudden, you're just you're it's you're right there. I mean, you can see it, and that uh, that really changes you know your mindset. That changes everything about how you approach it. Mm-hmm.
3: By the way, I don't think we gave all the answers to Eric's question. Is Arizona, Syracuse, yeah. or Virginia. Virginia? He got the Arizona. Um, but yeah, Purdue or Syracuse Clemson.
1: was the one in which uh, they were not a one seed. They were two, lost to Syracuse in the Elite Eight, and then uh, each Virginia and Arizona they were one seeds.
3: And I thought I thought Ryan would have got the Purdue one, especially afterwards, knowing that he was at the game, just because that was such a memorable KU team in general. It was the Sweet Sixteen, so you know if they're a one seed, you would have to be playing the four there. Yeah, and, and they, that was such a notable game for they a couple just them. Exactly, it bludgeoned them notable. It was notable coming in because it was like Purdue has all the size in the world. They've got the seven three kid and yeah. Haas, and they've got Caleb Swanigan as power forward. How is KU going to handle that? But they just outsped them. The Clemson one I could understand, miss uh, like forgetting a little more because that was more of a first, like you don't my, think of Clemson as a 4 seed, you yeah. know what I mean?
1: My biggest memory of that Clemson game was Back. was you yeah, exactly. They, that we both had I rarely check my phone during games. Um but after so after the game was over, I got I had I saw a text that I had gotten from you during the game, but you and I had the exact same thought which was oh that damn Michigan game in 20 this is what it's going to be. It's going to be coming out to a lead um, and then that, but fortunately that's not how it happened. And of course, uh, two days later they, they beat Duke to go to a final four. So it worked out, but, um, yeah, the Clemson one, you know, I get, I get why the opponent's forgettable just cause it's not, um, you know, it, it, it wasn't a super, you know, it, it was just a win, right. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, yeah, I can actually see this is going to sound crazy cause it just happened. But I can actually see that Providence game being similar it, down the road. Like, yeah, okay, I remember because Miami was a 10, but eh, who was that Sweet 16? Like, I can see that being a, a game because Providence isn't a, a team that you just think of, and it wasn't a crazy epic game. Um, but I don't know. It, it was just one of those things that, you know, you, you kind of have to be the type of person who, loves to relive tournament runs, and so you'll just go and find it on Wikipedia or on um, Sports Reference that just has the bracket laid out, and you just, you know, go through it and memorize it.
3: Yep. He's Adam Rivetta. I'm Derek Johnson. Off our Phenomenal Four, we'll head to the RCST Trivia Championship game. That'll be next week. I think we're going to have the third-place game later in this week between Justin and Ryan. But congratulations to Eric and Tyler. Two one seeds. They'll battle for that big screen TV from 23rd Street Brewery on the line once again, RCST trivia brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Kirk Easter, State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, Homefield Apparel, Pella Windows and Doors, CBD of Lawrence, Rockchuck.io, Jayhawk Trophy, and Hawaiian Bros. This is Rockchuck Sports Talk on FM 101.7 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, Johnson at gpmnow.com That's Johnson at gpmnow.com and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Alright, we got some apologizing to do. Um question that ryan just went out on the question was let me repeat this from 2017 to 2018 kansas won two straight ncaa tournament games to four seats name one uh turns out clemson was a five seed i we I apparently did not do a good enough job double checking that um so apologies to ryan ryan already uh, we reached out and, and talked to him we're gonna hook him up with some extra stuff so apologies to us the good news is that the context there i think still protects us enough that it didn't just like completely like you still could have got the purdue one in 2017 um obviously if you would have got the clemson one in in 2018 we still would have given it to you uh in that situation so i don't think it completely ruined things or completely changed what happened there and and ryan told us it was it was totally fair like he, he thought it was a fair question everything um but he's also a very humble guy i'll just say this we're very sorry about that, like I said, we're hooking him up with extra stuff. So unfortunate, there it did happen. I, I wanted to at least address it. Nothing else I can say. It happens. So, yeah. All right.
1: All right. Brighter talk. Um, fun matchup. You know, I don't know what more to say about it. It was, uh, you know, it it was fun. Unfortunately, it uh, didn't didn't go on. We 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 now have two more to go. We we both predicted that at least one of these matches. Between the semifinals, the championship, and the consolation matchup, would go to the really hard category, and we're zero for two so far. Will our
3: championship game go to the really hard round?
1: Sure. Yeah, I'll say yes.
3: At this point, I'm just I'm just gonna say no because it's a lot of questions to get there. But both guys are obviously capable of it. Like same same with our f- phenomenal four contestants, uh, Ryan and Justin, both capable of it. It's just, it's just really hard because it just takes. You know, one slip-up. Um,
1: Tyler kind of mentioned that that he, as he, this year, has kind of been the opposite. Things are balancing out from the year before where he had so many long matchups <laughs> yeah. last year. And he's kind of, I think he, he had... All of his matchups this year have totaled the amount of questions he answered in just one of them last year or something like that. I think he's It's had, probably close. I, I don't I think remember he had thirteen in one matchup last year and he's answered fourteen so far this year. Yeah,
3: he's answered fourteen. I think yeah, the Isaac won thirteen. That that sounds right. Um so yeah, it's it's been pretty incredible for him to get there. Eric's answered nineteen correct out of comparison there. I I will also ask you this question. Um so in the case. Of Eric, he, uh, as I mentioned, has not missed a question. He's gone 19-0. and In the case of Tyler, he has not missed a question for this year. He's gone 14-0. and So that – do you think that the first question that either of those guys miss, it's over?
1: That's an interesting one. Um, I've got the questions right here in front of me, and I, let me go – I'll say this: There's one I'm. I mean, hot. we
3: teased yesterday. It, we said if we do get to the really hard round, it's not. It's not going to be the, the most immediate, really hard ones. And we have our third place game before then, so those could use up some questions to get us there, or, or whatever it is. But if we get to this one stretch upcoming in the really hard round, it could be miss, 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 miss. Like they're, they're very, very difficult. There are a couple like really that I'm hard.
1: looking at in the medium round that could be that are um, that could be tough. Yeah, and so that that might be the one where it, I'm looking at it, going, if they get those, we may be in for a long match. Mm-hmm. Um, now the two questions that back to back in that medium round are equal in difficulty; they're just both difficult for the medium round. They kind of lean more toward the hard round than the than the easy round, if that makes sense. Yes. Uh, but they're, they're fine in the medium round and they're both equal in difficulty, but they are tougher of, of in, in, when you factor in the medium category, um, you know, and then the hard, um, you know, you've kind of got to remember, you know, some, um, some more, how can I put this? Some, some, uh, obscure stats from, from games, not just, uh, you know, a lot of what we had today were just opponents, um you know we're going to if you get into the hard and everybody knows this I'm not selling saying anything new um but if you as you get into the hard and really hard category you don't just have to remember you know who did Kansas lose to and this or that you have to remember stats of given games mm-hmm. and that's difficult
3: yes it is because you know do you go back and like that's the thing you can read through the media guide in in a matter of gosh I don't know hours or something like that you can't rewatch like it takes an hour and a half uh, without commercials or something like that to rewatch a game or to you know yeah. go back and, and look at specific box scores. It's just going to take more when, time. And you and, don't
1: know which box scores to no. look through.
3: So you just look through every single box score? Of course not. That's tough. That's tough. That'll be fun. I, I'm looking forward to that matchup. I think it could be a classic. I think our third place matchup is going to be really good. And funny enough, it's actually the seeding of what could be a first round matchup with a three fourteen. But obviously, we know. You know, Ryan is a lot better than a, than a 14 seed. Yeah,
1: we were uh, just discussing off air a moment ago about how much higher uh, Ryan's seed will be next year.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So, I don't know. It, it'll be—we'll um... see. I don't know. It, 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 I think we're set for what, what could be a really fun—right now, um, I think that grade 8 matchup between Andrew and Eric still stands out as the best of this tournament so far. I think Lane and Doug put on a classic in the first round. Um so Eric and Tyler have a lot to live up to yes, in, they in do. the championship round and and they don't care. I think if you ask both of the, both of them they just say, you know, let my let my opponent not that they dislike the other opponent but just for their sake just they they would rather just have my opponent get his easy question <laughs> wrong <laughs> right. and I can get mine right. And yeah, get, they don't care. They're get just my like, TV. I, yeah, exactly.
3: Just give me um, the TV, give me all the prizes. But if
1: they if they could do us a solid and really uh and really hop in and, and, and buckle up and, and get into that really hard round, I would that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. I, yeah, I wanna hit the ding a whole bunch.
3: Once again, these are all the prizes that um, these guys have collected. So for making the second round, everybody who did that, $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery, RCST Trivia t-shirt. Uh, for making the Sizzling 16, everybody got another $25 gift card to the brewery, $10 to Hawaiian Bros, that thanks to Curt or State Farm, $20 to CBD of Lawrence, and a voucher for free sandwich and breakfast sandwich at McDonald's. For making the Great Eight, a voucher for a free VIP car wash at Mr. D's Auto Wash. Home field apparel shirt for KU thanks to Pella Doors and Windows. $30 of credit for Jayhawk NFTs at rockchalk.io. Another $25 gift card to the 23rd Street Brewery and Auto Entrance into trivia for next year then for making the phenomenal four it's not a one seed for next year's trivia an rcst hat with a phenomenal four logo another 25 dollar gift card to the brewery a phenomenal four trophy and an engraved water bottle with rcst on it from jayhawk trophy and then now for making the championship game uh, both eric and tyler receive yet another 25 dollar gift card to 23rd street brewery because every round you advance you get another gift card to the brewery to Test out the Bill Self mac and cheese, Crimson and Fog, Wave the Wheat, whatever you'd like. Another thirty dollars of credit to Jayhawk NFTs at Rockjock.io. Get your Ku collection started today. Join the Ku Jayhawk NFT community, and you know you can buy, sell, trade with it with other people. It's really cool. It's it's like baseball cards or whatever, just just online. It's a really cool community to be a part of. And uh, for the champion, that'll be on the line between Eric and Tyler for the third place game. It's another twenty five dollar gift card to the brewery. So. Uh, you know, that's another meal. Uh, for the champion, you get the big screen TV. You get another $25 gift card to the brewery, championship trophy from Jayhawk Trophy, and lifetime entrance into RCST trivia. I want to transition here. That's so
1: here. much, Bill Self Mac and Cheese. That is a
3: lot, because that's at that point, if you win six matchups, that's $150 of. Is that right? Yeah. $150 of 2013 yeah, Five, five stock.
1: is 125. You so can treat yeah. you and your whole family
3: um, to twenty. Bill Bur- Self Mac and Cheese. Yep, exactly. The
1: Haney Turkey Stack. Mm hmm. Everything I've had, the there, seriously, awesome. Um, the French dip, French. Oh, the gosh. French dip. I'm not joking. Are, yeah. That it is that, the best French dip that I've ever had. French dip, French dip is off the chain.
3: Yes, it is. Uh, Matt, if you're listening, good work. Um, nonetheless, I do want to transition real quick to something I brought up there at the beginning of that interview. I don't know how many people caught it. We are doing a Ku football RSC yeah, trivia event. Uh, it's going to be in July. I think we have it set to start the week of July 18th.
1: So get ready be, to
3: say Todd
1: Reesing a lot. <laughs>
3: yes. Uh, I am a little worried because as I'm starting to prep with some of the questions and I haven't put like that many in. I'm worried this is going to be too hard, but
1: we'll, we'll get to there. We'll get there. That, yeah, we've, we've had some. Uh, Derek has got some creative um, ways to get to kind of come up with how, how it might get done. Um, so it. it can we officially say it won't be like a standard bracket like RCST Trivia has been? Correct. So okay.
3: I, I'm actually going to gonna talk about that for a second here. We don't have everything set in stone, but here is what we do have like sort of set in stone. Again, I don't know how many contestants we are going to have. Um, it's going to be less than than the basketball one one because i don't know there might be less people who are willing to because i think for some people this is nerve-wracking to join this event because you don't want to embarrass yourself even though we always say like trust me this isn't embarrassing it's just supposed to be fun uh, but some people well, we, do, that way. we
1: got one of our own damn questions wrong as you yeah, found out at yeah, the beginning of exactly. this segment so
3: um so with football it's going to be a league it's not going to be a bracket so we're going to do say four or five weeks of regular season matchups we're going to put uh, people in divisions there'll be like a monday division tuesday division where it's just whatever day you're you're best available uh and we're going to do divisions you play around robin let's say there's five people in your division you'll have four regular season matchups then the top two people or something move on to bowl games. We're gonna have like four bowl games. They're gonna be sponsored bowl games. We're, we're working on that to try to figure that out. Of like who wants to sponsor a bowl game? So it'd be like the you know for instance the the Twenty Third Street Brewery Bowl or something. And then all the four sponsors of the bowl games, like the prizes would all be the same. You would get the prize of the sponsor for all four bowls. Yeah, it's so just if each we do, bowl would be called something specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the CBD
1: of Lawrence Bowl, 23rd, exactly, right? et cetera, et cetera.
3: And so then you would have the. The, after the, the bowl games, you'd have four of them. The winner of the four bowl games mm-hmm. would be seeded into the college football playoff. And we'll figure out how to rank it and seed it and all that stuff. That That's you know more for us to worry about. Um, then you have the playoff. You have the the national title winner and everything. So it'll be a little bit of the bracket at the end there, but just with some bowl games, just a different format. And it won't be uh, the, the format where we have here where it's just if you answer a question right and you answer it wrong, it's over. We're gonna do probably four downs. I don't, however, you want to frame it, either four quarters or first down, second down, third down, fourth down. Um, and, and we're working on the format there. I know Kyle Martin, who uh, is a mainstay in in the uh, the basketball version of RCST Trivia. He reached out to me last night and had some really cool ideas about, you know, do we make the questions as opposed to just who gets more of the questions right? Do you go two and two on questions, three and one? you know why not make the the really hard ones or the hard one weighted more which makes sense because if you get a really hard one right that should be worth more than the easy one i guess like if you, if both people went one and three but the guy who went one and three hit the really hard you could argue that's more impressive i don't know um so where we make it like you know easy is worth 3 points or Uh, medium is worth six and, and hard is worth seven or whatever it is, or do we do it as, you know, we work up the ladder and if it's tied, we go to overtime, and it's like college overtime, we go back and forth and you can choose the category and choose the points, or do we make it something where it's just, you get a certain amount of drives. You get three drives or four drives, and you get to pick yeah. what category you want every drive. So you could take an easy question every drive, and that could be worth three. Or we could say an easy question is worth a punt, where a punt makes it so that the other person, whatever
1: they do, has to be one category I, higher. I, you know? I think you should you should maybe think about it like this. Start it off as high school overtime. The whole thing is high school overtime. So at the beginning of the match, each contestant has first and goal from the 10 right and then they try to score there and so you can get a max of four questions and then if you tie each person gets another does that make sense
3: i don't get the the correlation to the like starting at the 10 that's how they do it in high in high school over i know but like what do you okay
1: you start at the 10 and Mm -hmm. your goal is to score a touchdown yeah and so it's not like uh, it's not like a drive where like you you go for you get first downs. It's either a touchdown or you, or your drive's over.
3: Yeah, that's so that's how like overtime would be, right? It'd no, be but just, I'm like, saying that's overtime, how right? the
1: whole match should be.
3: See, so if somebody hits the easy and the other person misses the easy, it's over. No,
1: no, no, no. You get like an easy is worth like two yards.
3: Oh, I see what you're saying. And then like a hard so instead of points, it's just yards.
1: Yeah, but then and but then you're trying like let's say then you 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 sit there and you're you're at you know. I don't know, you're, you're fourth down and four, then you choose I can kick a field goal or I can go for a touchdown, and then if you score the touchdown, then your opponent then has to get a touchdown um, in order to continue on to another round.
3: Yeah, we'll work through it, and we'll figure out the scoring. I also don't want it to be something where we confuse people, so we're going to have to make it clear, but I think there are some really fun ideas that, that we're going to have for that. So be on the lookout for that. Like I said, we're going to start July 18th that week for rcst trivia our first football edition and uh we're going to be trying to get some sponsors and, and some more cool prizes for you coming up for that but just stick around for that all right we're going to take a time out this is rock chalk sports talk on fm 1017 and 1320 klwn depend on it welcome back in to rock chalk sports talk five o'clock hour here on klwn and joined now on a Tuesday by Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports. Things seem to be heating up for KU and Kevin McCuller, so much so that on the site over at 24-7, he's starting to log uh, uh, some running KU votes for him in the crystal ball. How good of a fit do you think McCuller would be for KU, and how would you envision that going if that does end up happening because I mean for all we know he could still end up in the NBA draft but uh, certainly if he comes back to college it seems like that would be the case
0: yeah I think Kevin McCuller is a fascinating fit because a lot like Marcus Garrett he's a multi-positional defender and he's somebody that can really play the two through four I wouldn't play him at the point guard necessarily like Garrett did Uh, Texas Tech he did play a little bit of a point guard role like that for them so it's not necessarily beyond him but they they have guys who can do that and so he's really somebody that you can almost take even without knowing what you're getting back and obviously the scholarship situation is something that's totally different but if Jalen Wilson comes back, you can play Kevin McCullough alongside him at either the two or the three with Wilson at the four. And if Wilson goes, maybe McCullough plugs into Wilson's spot at the four and and he can defend a lot of guys and, and he's somebody that I think profiles as a better shooter than his percentages. Really shot the ball well last year before he got hurt. And even after getting hurt, I think you look at some of his advanced stats, you know, things on synergy and things like that. He shot really well in unguarded catch and shoot situations. And when you look at what Kansas's offensive system generates, I think you'd see more looks like that for Kevin McCullough. And and so somebody who can defend multiple positions, who can handle the ball a little bit and can shoot and play multiple positions, you can bring that guy in now and sort of figure out where exactly he fits on down the line.
3: So let's say that, You know, again, Kevin McCuller does come back from the NBA and and chooses Kansas. And let's say this is the starting lineup. I don't know if you agree that this would be the starting lineup, but let's just roll with it here. Uh, Dewan Harris, Grady Dick, Kevin McCuller, Jalen Wilson, and Zach Clements. How good of a team do you think that could be? Where do you think they'd rank for you guys in in your early 2022-23 rankings? And what do you think of that lineup in terms of strengths and weaknesses?
0: Yeah, I think... You know, bringing back Wilson is something we've kind of projected through uh, the NBA draft process to this point. Without Christian Brown and without McCuller, we've had Kansas at eight or nine-ish, so sort of at the bottom part of that top ten. I don't know that McCuller moves the needle a ton in terms of ranking. You know, maybe it it makes it it seems like it raises your floor more than it raises your ceiling, And, and so. Not that Kansas wouldn't go up, but I think you're talking about maybe a couple spot jump, whereas somebody, if you were to bring in, say, like a Tyrese Hunter or somebody like that that's a potential star, a potential lottery pick type guy, as opposed to I think McCuller is a fantastic complementary piece, Uh, I think somebody like Hunter would would impact that ranking more. Uh, I think that even with adding McCuller, even without adding McCuller, you're looking at a pretty good defensive team with McCullough, You're looking at potentially one of the top two or three defensive teams in the entire country. And certainly we saw this past March that even if shots aren't falling, even if you aren't playing your best, if, if you can bring that kind of defense and, and you can score in transition and, and do the different things that this year's team did, they, they may be another team like this year's where they wouldn't enter the tournament necessarily as a favorite, but they would be a, a team that would have a chance to maybe outplay expectations in March.
1: Um I've asked uh, kind of all the the KU guys we've had on recently, I've asked this question. Um This past year in uh, November, December, we were kind of talking about how um, this year's team was a team that looked very set offensively and looked like it had some some ground to cover in uh, in terms of learning defense. And we all kind of agreed that that was an ideal situation to be at because you could, especially with Bill Self on the sideline, you could teach defense and they could come along. And, of course, they did. Would you agree with me if I declared that it's pretty safe to say that come December of 2022 we're looking at a team that is probably doing pretty well defensively and, and maybe leaving a little bit to de- be desired offensively?
0: yeah I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think that that's that's where the strength of next year's team would seem to lie and there are some things that could change that you know if Zach Clements comes out, he was shooting i think a little above forty percent from three before he got hurt, obviously, a really small sample size. But if he comes out and he's scoring thirteen fifteen a game and shooting that percent from three, obviously we're talking about a team that that can shoot you know sort of one through five or at least stretch you out one through five and maybe the offense is ahead of where we think it is right now but but the fascinating thing I think Adam is not just this year but the previous year that team I felt like with the exception of Marcus Garrett didn't really have any business being a good defensive team and through a lot of that season with with how much they struggled. And and some people would call that certainly, you know, if not the worst team in the Bills' self era, one of the worst teams in the Bills' self era. But from February or so on, they were a top 10 defense nationally, and they figured out a way to do it. You know, they, they figured out how to play ball screens with David McCormick. They figured out how to kind of scheme around – Marcus Garrett, you know, and Dewan Harris, who wasn't maybe as complete a defender at that point as he was this past year, but was still somebody that could turn you over. And and Jalen Wilson was a guy who wasn't really a great defensive four on that team. And you, and so you look at that team, and I think it's instructive because it was a team without a lot of great individual defensive pieces and they still found a way to play top 10 caliber defense, sort of heading down the stretch of that season. And so I do think that when you look at, at Bill Self and, and what he's able to do the last couple of years, we now have a, a multi year sample size where Self has had teams that looked better, maybe offensively. And you said, okay, the defense is just too bad. The defense, it isn't going to come along, it's not going to be at a national title level and in both cases it really did come along by the end of the year, next year's team could differ in that they could be really good defensively sort of right out of the box, and so you wonder, you know, is the offense going to then come along the way that the defense has the last couple of years?
3: We're talking with Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports CBS here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Uh, I saw Myron Medcalf earlier today brought up the hypothetical of of who wins between this KU team and the 1920 team? Obviously, it's to the NBA conference finals. So you know, best of seven series. Uh, I, I think we'd all agree the 2020 team there. So I, I have some other hypotheticals for you between Bill Self sure. Kansas teams. How about Self's two title teams, 08 and 22? I, I'm expecting 08 to be the answer here. But how many games of the seven does it go to?
0: I, I think 08 sweeps. And wow! I, and I think that if you have if you have twenty one twenty two stealing a game or two i think that the reason it might would maybe be because the style of basketball was different right like mm-hmm. at that point in 2007-2008 the most popular thing to do for for kansas against ball strings was they hedged everything and they hard hedged with their big men and 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 that was the way they defended. You think about that Steph Curry, you know, the ending to that Davidson game. I mean, they were hard hedging over the top on on everything. And they were doing that with regularity. And so I think if you gave 20, you know, 2007, 2008, time to practice, time to work on, okay, this is how we defend now with drop and different things like that. it, It would be a sweep. And if you just said, hey, We'll see you at the court tomorrow. I still think 2007-2008 wins a series, but I do think maybe there are some more struggles there just because they're not as used to sort of the modern way of defending ball screens. And in 2021-22, they were very good at using those ball screens and getting into the paint and, and getting points that way.
3: Okay, how about uh, this one? There's obviously two other Final Four teams for Bill South 2012 verse 2018. I I think I have a the a, a a thought of where you would go with this one because of the spacing factor, but I'm curious, what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I 2012 was such a tough team. I mean, they were as the expression goes, they were harder than a coffin nail, you know, just just impossible to, you know, to to put away really. And you saw that in that national title game where Elijah Johnson has a layup to potentially cut it to three, what with about three minutes left or so in in that game against the Kentucky team that just out-talented that team across the board. I I still like 2017, 2018. I, I think especially when you look at where they were at once Malik Newman sort of clicked on, Malik Newman was the best player in college basketball for the month of March. And, you know, that included the big 12 tournament and then the NCAA tournament and Devonte Graham, while he was a little more tired, he was still producing at that point. You still had speed that could stretch out the floor and, and I think that that would have made it really tough for that uh, that twenty twelve team to defend you, you didn't necessarily want Thomas Robinson you know out there chasing uh out there chasing Sfee around the one thing that I think would make it interesting is that twenty twelve team they played a team that was excellent in spacing in Missouri that had Kim English at the four. And Thomas Robinson just destroyed Kimmy English in those matchups. And Kansas knew, hey, this is where the mismatch is, and we're going to go ahead and punish it. And so that's my one hesitation. But I would probably say over the course of a series, I I would pick 2017-2018 to, to hit enough outside shots to win that one.
3: Yeah, that was, that was kind of my thought as well because even though T-Rob – Hurt him. They uh, had some troubles uh, defending. I mean, Jeff Withey kind of getting played off the court and and that stuff that you were talking about that uh, kind of makes it tough, even though I think by Ken Palm, like the the 2012 team probably uh, was was better there. Um, uh, How about battle of near final four teams, 2017 versus 2016? This is one that honestly for me is the toughest to figure out because, again, by Ken Palm, the 16 team had the better season. They were better defensively, but it's hard to like on paper say that, yeah, but the 17 team – has Josh Jackson uh, on the team as well. So who would you go with in a seven-game series?
0: Yeah, 2016 was a better team. It, it really was. 2016-2017, that team had a better peak. And, and I think when you look at the way they were playing at the end of the year heading into the Oregon game, that's the way. that's the reason that Oregon game is so memorable is the fact that Kansas seemed unbeatable heading into that game. When you look at the way they just absolutely ran the previous teams off the court and they were starting to figure out the defensive thing, you know, Devontae Graham was such an unselfish guy that he kind of took on, you know, the number three role behind national player of the year, Frank Mason, And, and you had Josh Jackson, who was an all American that year. And so when you look at the personnel, it's, it's easy to look at it and say, well, you don't have a national player of the year in 2016 2017 would maybe win but 2016 was so much better defensively as a team and I think the other thing that 2016 had was it was deeper and had some offensive weapons that could come off the bench you know guys like Brandon Green who for part of that season what was he shooting Derek like 65 percent from three about halfway through the
3: year yeah that that was unreal it was like it was his three-point shooting was like watching someone shoot free throws
0: it, it was actually legitimately surprising when he missed yeah. it, an open look, and and so I, I think that that's where 2016 wins out was. I think they weren't as good individually, but they were a better defensive team altogether, and they had more depth and more guys that they could tap into. when when they got into trouble. And so I do think that 2016 is a better team. That would probably go to seven, though, if we're being honest about it. I do think that it would be that close.
3: My problem is if it does go to seven, like it's hard to pick against national player of the year version of Frank and Josh Jackson in a seventh game. But again, like... In the Oregon game, which essentially is equivalent to a Game 7 because it's single-game elimination, they ended up losing the game. So, uh, I don't know. That, that to me, is, is probably the hardest one to figure out. But he is Kevin Flaherty. You can check out his work, CBS Sports and 24-7 Sports. And before we let you go, one last thing with Adam.
1: All right, Kevin, one last thing. Uh, before we get to one last thing, I need uh, some information for you. Your time Uh-oh. with the uh, Miami County Republic, did you uh, cover any sports whatsoever?
0: Uh, just slightly. Actually, I I covered, uh, covered sports for, you know, about, I think like a week or two when our sports editor was on vacation. And that was, uh,
1: that was most of it. Okay, for the most part, I was on the news side. Well, I'm going to take a stab at this anyway. October 22nd, 2004. Does that game, a day, a, a high school game that day, ring a bell to you? No, no, it
0: doesn't. Why do you ask?
1: How about a uh, hook and ladder play? Does that bring a bell? No, it uh, does. <laughs> it was one of the most glorious games of my high school career, Gardner v. Paola in a district showdown. Paola was up with about 33 seconds left, and uh, Gardner took it on a, a touchdown with a uh, hook and ladder at the end to uh, defeat the Panthers. Here's
0: a here's just a, a then, small piece. By of the way, your your so next real, that,
1: real quick before you go though, I want to say uh, they defeated the next team you would have covered the following week with a hook and ladder in Pittsburgh. The very next week,
0: there you go. Yeah, it's it's funny because when I was uh, at the Miami County Republic, I took over sports for two weeks, and during those two weeks, I wrote three columns, and one of them was about. How much I missed the sports editor being there because there was so much to cover and you needed to turn in three sports columns for Kansas Press Association's awards. And I, uh, I kind of maybe beat out our sports editor <laughs> with a column about himself for the best in sports column writing that year Love with it. my three total columns.
3: <laughs> Love it. Well, that's why Kevin's doing the big work now, 24-7 CBS. (laughs) Hey, Kevin, I appreciate the time as always, man. All right, thanks a lot, guys. All right, thanks. That's Kevin Flaherty, 24-7 Sports. Check out his work. With Adam Trevett, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, Johnson at gpmnow.com. That's Johnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Welcome back to Rock Truck Sports Talk here. We were supposed to have the uh, KU-Missouri game coming up a little later, but uh, weather canceled that out. So we take you till 6. I believe we're going to have the KU baseball action coming up over the course of this weekend. KU taking on, I believe, Texas to finish out their season this week. Rough COVID for KU baseball last week. Uh, did you see the score of some of those TCU games?
1: I did not know. I uh I wasn't following. Um was it they struggle? Um
3: that would be putting it lightly. Um again like I, I don't want to just like take a poo on but-
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things where we we try not to if if we don't cover a sport super closely then it would be unfair of us just to just to jump on right. things when they're struggling. I don't know the story
3: around it. But, um, uh, but take yeah. a
1: guess at what happened
3: in the second game of the series, what the final score was. So, I'll tell you this. Kansas had three runs. How many did TCU score? TCU came into the game ranked 20th in the country.
1: I'll go 15 to 3. More. 17
3: to 3. I'm going to be like the Star Wars, uh, the meme um, Adam Driver playing uh, Kylo Ren. More. 19. More
1: way was it like 22 to three more was it the 07 orioles rangers 30 to three yes it was oh my god no way yes. no <laughs> oh man yeah 30
3: to three the uh final score some guy for tcu
1: had 10 runs batted in how about that i mean look it, that's just bad there's no other way to put it and again I, you know we don't want to dig too deeply because we don't cover the team like we do, you know. Like, if if KU basketball or KU, I mean, KU football has been blown out, but (laughs) we cover them closely. Mm -hmm. So, I feel like it's fair to really delve in, if you know, when things go bad because we delve in when things go well, and we just, there's not a huge interest in KU baseball, so we just don't cover them very closely. But that's bad, man.
3: Yeah, so... Uh, not ideal. Nonetheless, I did want to talk a little. Cheap I'll be here. honest
1: with you, man. I, I, I started at fifteen to three because my initial thought was okay. Maybe it was like eighteen to three, mm-hmm. but I don't want to jump right there just in case it was lower. So I'm like, let me let me think of a number that would be a blowout but not outrageous. So I was I said fifteen because I thought eighteen was too high. Yeah. Lord Almighty.
3: Yep. Uh, so yeah, not ideal. And I would imagine there's going to be, I don't know, maybe changes that happen with the KU baseball program. You, you don't ever want something like that to happen. No, but, it
1: sucks. It, it sucks yeah. because, you know, coaches and, and not just the, you know, not just the head coach, but assistant coaches, their life changes. It sucks. It's the, it's the life they chose. They I don't got know into that for it. sure. You're not rooting for no, that. No, no, no. You're but. never rooting for, for people to get fired. It, it's a sucky part of the, and, and, and Travis Goff situation it's a sucky part of his job when he has to do it yeah it's but it, it's you know it's just an unfortunate part of of um of working in a super competitive environment so
3: anyway I I don't want to totally harp on that uh, more positive conversation the Kansas City Chiefs after losing Melvin Ingram which we talked about yesterday on case of the Mondays they uh are sitting there now with with what should be 12 picks for the uh 2023 NFL draft they have 11 um because of the the trade with the dolphins for Tyreek Hill they got I think a a fourth and a sixth for next year they also got an extra third round pick out of uh uh the the GM going to the uh bears and um they also will receive a, a comp pick from Melvin Ingram we haven't seen the contract i don't know what they'll get i would imagine it'll be I don't know, I can't imagine it being as high as a fourth, but probably somewhere between a fifth and, and a sixth round pick or something for a comp pick. So basically they'll have 12 picks for the upcoming NFL draft, which is what they had this year. And, you know, we've talked before, well, it, it's good to have that many picks because it either gives you ammunition to trade up, it's just good to have a lot of young players on cheap contracts, um... But at the same point in time, it gives them ammunition for for going to make a move. And as we talked yesterday, yes, if you can go out and and get a a one-year $5 million deal or, or whatever, $8 million for a Justin Houston or a Jadavion Clowney or whatever to help bolster the pass rush, that's great. There's a guy out there on the Bears, and the Bears, let's be pretty clear about this. They appear to be tanking. They did not add any offensive weapons to an offense that was already very bad last year <laughs> and has a second-year quarterback that they invested a first-round pick in. Yeah. So clearly, I like they're, I couldn't tell you who their number two receiver is. I couldn't. I know their number one is Darnell Mooney, which that should say enough
1: on its own, Um
3: so, point being, Bears are basically tanking this She's year. He's
1: the second Mooney to play in the NFC North. Uh, Randy Moss took that first title yeah. uh, with a wild card game in Green Bay. That was a good one. Um. So, I I
3: I guess it would be I, I, it's gettable that Robert Quinn, and there's been rumors, there's been talk, there's been reports that like he is kind of on the trade block. Robert Quinn is a, a veteran d and He's, I think, going to be 32 this year. Will, yeah, A little his, older.
1: He's His exact birthday, I can pull that up right now. Um, no, he, he, no, he just turned 31. Okay. So just turned 31. Um, No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm getting my dates all screwed up. He's, he turns 32 tomorrow. Okay. So 30, (laughs) happy early birthday. Yeah. So happy birthday, birthday Robert. Yeah. Happy. You get traded to a contending team. Happy birthday, Robert. So yeah, he turns, so he'll be 32 coming into the season. He's coming off a pro bowl year. Mm Mm-hmm. And to be clear, it's not one of those Pro Bowl years where he was like the 12th alternate and a bunch of dudes <laughs> right, like Right, Matt Castle. saying, no, exactly. Although he had
3: 27-7, but nonetheless,
1: Yeah, uh, 18 and a half sacks last year. Uh, the only reason he wasn't all pro is because there was two. there's TJ Watt and... Um, Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. A lot of good addressers. Were outstanding. But, so he's coming off a year with 18 and a half sacks. Um, that year before, he played 15 games and only came away with two sacks. But that was his low water mark. Um, the year before that, eleven and a half sacks. So it appears in his thirties, he still has a little bit of something. Um, and so I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't mind this. Um, it's a little more expensive than I would normally like to go, but eighteen and a half sacks in a year where what you're really, what I think the Chiefs really want is depth at that position. Um, I mean, if I think good thing, I, I, if you want to give me Quinn, Robert Quinn and tell me he's going to get eight sacks right, right off the bat, I would take that. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I would think that would mean that there's been, that that means there was some coverage for Frank Clark on the other side of the line. That means there's coverage for Chris Jones in the middle of the line. And that means that Karloftis this is, is a part of the rotation.
3: Yes, that'd be great. So yeah, it it just kind of depends what the asking price is, right? I mean, if it's, if it's a second-round pick, you, you don't want to do that for an old-aging veteran. And in, in three years, basically $40 million on the contract, I believe. I'm, I'm far from a, a contract and, and salary cap expert, but just based on kind of my fundamental knowledge, I know that if you trade away a player, the team who trades him away is still on the books for the signing bonus and, and that part of things. Um, and if you're the team that gets him because of that, like that is the one beauty of trading for a player is that you're not on the cost for the signing bonus if you ever want to cut him. You basically can for free because you're not the one incurring that. So that that's kind of nice that even though it is a three or $40 million deal, if he stinks after year one or your cap's a mess or after year two or whatever, you can basically cut ties with without all the risk. But even that three years 40 for a guy who, even if he is an eight-sack player, you're not getting that on the open market for an eight-sack player.
1: No, no. I mean, I, I would be fine. Eight sacks would be... Would, and the Chiefs
3: I, have about $15 million available right now. Yeah,
1: I would be thrilled with eight sacks. Um... Again, I think it's like like we talked about yes talked about yesterday. Like, for
3: instance, just real quick, sorry. Uh, Emmanuel Ogba, who, like, you know, again, fine pass rusher. He had nine sacks last year with the Dolphins. He had nine sacks the year before, so a nine-sack player. Got a four-year, $66 million yeah. contract, right?
1: Um, And this guy's coming off a year with 18 and a half. Mm-hmm. And, again, I don't expect him to get that, but if you're talking around half that, even just shy of half that, that would be really solid production. Um, But, yeah, I, I think it— what we talked about yesterday is is Brett Veach talked about bolstering the defensive line, um, and he was right that that's a necessity. But I think people heard that, and, and I'm somewhat guilty of that too, uh, in that I think some of us heard that and we thought, man, is that going to mean that it's going to be just bolstering just like um, they bolstered the offensive line? Mm-hmm. Let's be clear, they got – I don't want to just say – it wasn't blind luck with Trey Smith, but there was some luck involved with Trey Smith. You don't expect to get – a high value, high productive starter in the sixth round—you just don't. So they got some, you know, they got some luck on along the way, um, and so, but they did bolster the offensive line. The bolstering of the defensive line, the defensive front, we, I think we can de- definitively say will not meet the level of bolstering the offensive line last year, um, which is what he said was the was the priority after they lost to Tampa in the Super Bowl. But you still, I think they they could come away with um, certainly clear additions, and and you could come into um, week one against um, Arizona as a better defensive front than you were in you know as you walked off the field against Cincinnati. He's Adam Ravetta. I'm Derek Johnson.
3: We'll keep an eye on that. Just kind of off season talk. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 101.7 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.